calling all gentle souls, the sensitive, the heart-centered, the helpers and healers, the creatives, the spiritual seekers, and yeah, we've probably got a lot of introverted homebodies up in this crew too. Listen, we've got to talk, because somewhere along the way, a lot of us confused our softness for smallness, but that's about to change. Welcome to Meek Not Weak, a podcast to support your confidence and clarity around the things that matter most. I mean, who says that kindness means diminishing your voice, needs, desires, and big dreams? Who says givers have to give all their power away? And who says a gentle soul can't be the brave captain of their own ship? Let's change the narrative around what it means to be soft-hearted. We're not going to change who we are, but let's be honest, we do need to grow a pair when it really counts. And we can, together. I'm Kimberly Eclipse. I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Meek Not Weak. Now, before we get into it today officially, I just wanted to acknowledge all of my fellow empaths out there because there has been such chaos and violence and just terrible things happening in our nation if you're here in the United States and in the world. And this last um, incident with a school shooting at Robb Elementary School in Texas, it has really gotten to me. And, you know, I've lived long enough to see things like this happen multiple times. But this particular event that has taken place and all the details that have come, in, have come out about it have just really done a number on me. And at one point, I had to stop reading and watching the news because I was just in tears all the time. And I think that ever since I became a mom, even ever since I became an aunt for the first time, I've been even more sensitive to violence, especially towards children. And it's just because, you know, the more you love, you know, the more likely it is to feel great pain. And that's what I feel right now, so much pain. And so I'm just reaching out to you all because I know that some of you are feeling the same way. Um, but yeah, I it got so bad. I was feeling so emotional that I had to, at one point, just go into the store and get myself a really unhealthy, cheesy, carby, gluten-filled sandwich I don't that I've been trying to stay away from lately and then I was watching some trashy TV because I had to do something to get my mind off of everything that was happening in the world right now um even if just for a few minutes but the other thing that I did was I took action on some of the things I was feeling angry about and hurt about I took action in a way that I haven't taken action um, after witnessing other tragedies in our country in the past. So I guess I'm sharing all of this because I just want to give you a virtual arm on your shoulder right now because I know that as a tender-hearted person, an empath, that you're feeling the weight of the world too. And I hope that you're giving your, yourself space and time and permission to care for yourself, whether that looks like taking a walk outside or watching something that's, you know, just a little distraction. But I also want to say that 
it's also an opportunity to ask yourself, what does it mean to not just be a peacekeeper, but be a peacemaker? What would it look like for you to take action in response to the deep feelings that you might be experiencing at this crazy time in history? Um, and I'll leave it at that because only you know what's what's right for you to do and what makes sense for you. So that's it. <laughs> and there is no graceful way for me to transition into a totally different topic, the topic that we're talking about in today's episode. So I will just dive in. So, you know, it's not often that I interview an Enneagram type two on this podcast, but I felt that my guest today, Hope Cook, was just the right person to speak about the topic of the internal, emotional, and even spiritual process of making a big shift in your career. Some of you already know this, but Enneagram 9s and Enneagram 2s often mistype. So for example, many 9s think that they're a type 2 or vice versa. And it's because on the outside, 9s and 2s have some commonalities. They're very focused on others, on the feelings and the needs of the people in their lives. They're both very empathetic. They can have trouble identifying their own needs, and they can struggle with boundaries and people-pleasing. Now, type 2s and type 9s have some marked differences as well, and at the core of all of this is that they have very different motivations and fears behind what they do. All that said, today's guest completely understands what it's like to move through the world and try to figure out your career as an empath, gentle soul, or just a tender-hearted, emotionally sensitive person. Hope is a life coach. She is a physician's assistant, part-time, and she's the podcast host of Recharting Your Life with Hope, which is a show that features interviews with women who've moved from deep dissatisfaction in their career and life to a more satisfying job or even a dream business. In fact, I actually was a guest on her podcast two times in episode 30 and then episode 116, which actually doesn't drop until tomorrow. That's Wednesday, June 1st of 2022. But in terms of today's conversation, Hope and I are going to discuss her unexpected and honest reaction to her very first astrology reading ever with me. She talks about how culture and environment encouraged her to disconnect from her inner voice. Hope shares her personal journey from being in denial of her true feelings and longings, does that sound familiar, type nines, to a slow-growing awareness of her discontentment, and then finally to creating a more aligned life and career. We talk about why following curiosity and joy thrusts you forward in your career, even if there's no clear path and no guarantees. We talk about how to trust the process of transformation despite a sense of urgency for change. Here's looking at you, all, all you people who hate your jobs and want to change right now. 
Hope talks about what surprised her most after interviewing so many women about making a career change. We talk about distinguishing between the voice of your inner wise woman versus your internal manager, also known as your inner critic. We talk about how your soul speaks to you through your body. And then finally, Hope gives us some career and life tips, specifically for those who are gentle, sensitive, or are empaths. So without further ado, I give you the incredible Hope Cook. Hello, Hope Cook. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm so happy to have you on my show because I've been on your podcast twice. So now the tables have turned. Yes, you get to be my guest and I get to um, look inside that brain and heart of yours. So I'm really excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, before we get started on kind of your perspective on career and career shifts, I wanted to talk to you about the astrology reading that I had done for you recently. I know that was your first experience with astrology and with getting a reading. So could you just share first, what was that like for you? And what was your biggest takeaway from that reading? It was cool. Um, I had no idea how involved it would be. I was listening to it thinking I could listen to it in between patients at work. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is like, (laughs) I've only listened to like two minutes. Okay, I'm going to save it. So I saved it for when I got home and um, the kids weren't around and I could listen to it. So it was good. I mean, it allows you to feel seen and known. The skeptic in me was like, well, this could apply to, you know, my friend or this could apply to my husband or, you know, but then then there were specific things that I felt like were true to me, like, um, you know, my soul's purpose um, being a here on earth to be a teacher. That felt very true. Um, And, you know, that you talked a lot about my message and that um, that's part of why I'm here. And that felt very true. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And I think that that perspective, I mean, I think that's one of the major criticisms of astrology too. It's like, well, I, you can kind of fit into that message, to any message, yeah, right? Like, oh, I can see myself in that zodiac sign, or I could see myself in that description. So it almost feels like, well, is this even something reliable and real, right? I, I think that's like really common. And I think the connection between astrology and the Enneagram is that there are all these personality archetypes And the Mm -hmm. thing is, we have access to all of them. So it is true that like, there are going to be pieces of a type eight that feel Mm -hmm. relatable, possibly, or, you know, a type five. And then the same with astrology, you're going to see different part, like different signs in different areas of your life. And it's kind of like a tool, like the Enneagram Mm -hmm. is a tool. It's not like no one worships the Enneagram, I hope. And people don't worship astrology, but it's like, wow, what if you hear this information about yourself and you really reflect on it? How much Mm -hmm. confidence does it then give you? And is it a green light for you in terms of what you've been consciously or unconsciously pursuing in your life? So it's really cool. And thank you for letting me do that for you as someone who's like not really necessarily into astrology, but uh, it's, it's cool to get your perspective. 
You know, you know, it also made me think about when we have our babies induced, my son was induced. And um, I remember when we picked the day, like we had, you know, a three day range we could choose. And I remember thinking, oh, no, am I messing up? Like, I don't know, the stars aligning and like the time of his birth. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think in terms of that, I think we're my personal perspective is that even it's some even if it's something planned, yeah. you know, you plan the time like that uh-huh. was like the first moment in the first chapter of his life. Yeah. However, it turned out like that was when he was meant to come into the world. So, yeah. Um, yeah, from astrology standpoint, that would be kind of the perspective okay. on that. I didn't screw yeah. things up. No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Uh, too funny. Okay. So now you, you know, if people should go check out your podcast, I'll just say from the top, um, reclaim or recharting your life with hope. Right. Yeah. So I, so I've been on the show on there and both times I've talked about making huge career shifts. Um, Mm -hmm. and I can see, I can hear you talking about other women who have done the same they just had like a, a moment in their life where they said, that's it. I, I have to make a change. Um, so you're doing this kind of work with women, but I want to know how this all started with you, like why you were called to exploring this particular topic and helping women in the way that you do. So can you tell us about uh, your personal journey from feeling stuck and restless and burned out in your career specifically um, to finding a more life-giving path as a life coach, which is what you do now? Yeah. So I think it started, you know, as a kid, my parents were not into touchy feely stuff. Like they weren't into therapy and it was sort of seen as a sign of weakness. If you um, showed a lot of emotion. So I remember asking my mom and she would get annoyed with it. And I would be like, what do you feel? What do you feel? And she's like, what, what, what are you talking about? Hope just cut that, cut that out. (laughs) But even at a young age, I was trying to get in touch with, I guess, I guess the difference between what we show to the world and what we're feeling on the inside. Um, so I very much planned out my life. I mean, I said, I'm going to go to PA school, physician assistant school. I'm going to get married at 25, have my first baby at 30. I mean, and it did, it fell into place, you know, I don't know how, but it did. And for the longest time I was content. And my husband even uses that word now. He's like, how did you go from, you know, 15 years of being completely content with your career to, you know, topsy-turvy, I want to quit, I don't want to do this anymore. And I think it was an inner awakening. So it was slow. It started with um, a love of self-help books. So I went from reading fiction to all of a sudden craving like personal development and self-help books, just couldn't get enough. And then, you know, started seeing a therapist and started journaling and just sort of diving into what my inner self wanted. And then I went to yoga teacher certification. And that really helped me learn to connect with a part of myself that I think had gotten lost over the years with being a mom and just being career focused. Um, So I started feeling this pull, this sort of inner longing to do something different, but I didn't really know what it was. 
And I ignored it at first, like most of us do. So you've probably heard that, you know, at first it'll be like a whisper and then it gets louder. And then if you still don't listen, it's like a bonk on the head. And that can show up as um, physical ailments. It can show up in your relationships. For me, it was kind of all of it. Migraines ramped up. Um, Marriage, you know, we were struggling and going to see a marriage therapist. I felt like a failure as a mom. So it's just like all this, my house of cards that I'd built so carefully just sort of felt like it was falling apart. Um, and well, I kept I, making, I, go I, ahead. I have a question there. So were you feeling all of the, or experiencing all of this hardship? And then that brought you to read the books and seek out therapy. So was it like you were in that low place first and that what is what propelled you to um, seek those other resources or were you already like on that path to developing yourself and, and getting help in other ways? I think I was in denial for a long time. Like I didn't, okay. I was not in touch with, I didn't know I had anxiety. Okay. I remember when the therapist first said something about, and hope, you know, your anxiety, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? I'm not anxious. And then my husband's like, yeah, you are. So yeah, I was in denial about that. Right. And um, that's what I was wondering, because it's I, I also was wondering, wait, how did you go from this feeling of being content to then all of a sudden, the, the house of cards, as you said, yeah. comes crumbling down. So you're saying that there's a connection there, like that, that denial, is that what made it seem like a 180? Like, did it seem like so. My husband thought for a while, he was convinced that I was creating um, disrest because of the self-help books. Like I'd read about, you know, people who were unhappy. And then I would be like, you're right. I am unhappy. Mm. <laughs> I think it was more of for years I had, um, I had followed societal expectations and I was in denial of how I was really feeling on the inside. I was out of touch with my, you know, Martha Beck calls it your North Star. Um, and so it was a slow process. But I mean, I remember in yoga sitting there and for the first time, I felt like I was at home in my body. I felt like me, like the real me, not the hope who you know, I live in the South, so I tend to put on a polite front and not hurt anybody's feelings and, you know, present myself a certain way. But in yoga, I felt like I was able to finally get in touch with the real me. That because of the very somatic kind of approach, like it's, it's very in your body. Was it t tapping into how your body felt or was it more the meditative component of yoga? I think it was all of it, but it was also a chance to cut out all the external noise. So you don't have your cell phone right there with you. Um, whoever's the instructor will have you connect with your breath. And I'd heard that before, but I'd never actually done it. And so when you start sort of following your breath um, and taking your mind off the thinking brain and putting it on the inside, um, it's hard to explain if you've never done it, but it's that sort of deep knowing if you've ever felt something in your gut or you've had an intuition about something, that's the part of you um, that may be hidden and you may not be listening to it. So that's the part that started slowly peeking her head out. And, you know, I would 
convince myself that this is a good job. I need to keep doing this. I would be stupid to leave. Um, And I would have all these reasons why I should stay. But I still had this internal knowing that I was not where I was supposed to be. Um, And this pull to do something else. And part of it was creating a podcast. That felt like a step in the right direction. Um, And when you take a step in the right direction, it's you feel an alignment. So, um, you know, it may be hard for listeners to relate. But one thing I'll ask my clients is um, if you didn't care what people thought, what would you do differently? Questions like that that sort of help you shift away from what I should be doing to what I really want to do. Right. That is such a beautiful question. It's so powerful. And mm-hmm. I think, and I just love how it, it's just so interesting. Like I said, there are a lot of type nines who listen to this podcast. And one of our struggles is being out of touch with what we want and what we need, because we're so mm. focused on maintaining peace in our environment and with people. So it's so interesting because you're coming from that perspective as well, even though you're not a type nine. Um, But I think it's just so common to be caught up in the voices and the expectations. Um, But then what happens when you pull away from that and you have just that, that time with yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it sounds like it did wonders for you. And I remember uh, when you started your podcast, you didn't know exactly what you wanted to do with it. You just wanted to talk to women about, you know, these recharting their lives and finding careers that were fulfilling because I think you were on that journey too. Yeah. But you didn't really seem to have an agenda. Like it wasn't tied to yeah, know, I didn't even practice in the beginning, right? It was like you just right. took action. Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea I would end up quitting my job and and that's a different story because I'm still there, but I only work one or two days a week. Um, but I had no idea I was going to pursue life coaching. But as I interviewed each woman and I would ask them, like, what were your aha moments and what helped you sort of find the path to where you are now? I didn't realize that this was like my own personal self-help podcast. Like I'm getting advice and it's it sounds like it's just for me when I hear it. It was really a funny way the universe had of like, okay, hope here's what you need to do. That's incredible. And I really commend you because you, you took a step and you took action. You created this podcast and you were so consistent with it and you still are like, but it's like, you just took action on a desire. Uh You didn't see the whole plan. You didn't know like the practicality of it all. You just went with a desire and that's it. And then, you know, taking action basically led you to have clarity and then take the next big step. So I really want to highlight that for a moment because so many times we want to lay out the whole plan and we don't want to take the first step until we know the plan and we can be guaranteed that we're going to get very specific results. But you're, you're just an example of like, you went with the desire, the desire was so pure and you just went for it. And then all these blessings come from that too. Yeah. That's what I tell women is, um, you know, thinking will not lead to clarity. You're not just going to like write it all out on a big yellow legal pad and be like, all right, I know what to do now. 
Instead, you're going to have to follow your curiosity, follow something that interests you. Even if you're like, I don't know why I want to do pottery or I don't know why I feel compelled to join Toastmasters. Like just follow your curiosity and don't worry about where it's going to lead or how it's all going to pan out. You just take that first step. Yeah. And I think the fear, I mean, just imagining, let's say, working with you. And if you were to tell me that, I think the fear for me and maybe for some other people is like, do I have the time to just follow my curiosity? Because I have this sense of urgency Mm -hmm. right now. Like, I want to make a change. I'm unhappy. So how... How do we? Oh, that's a good question. Your perspective, like, what's the value in in following your curiosity when there is a sense of urgency and dissatisfaction? Okay, so the point of that is to figure out what brings you joy, and to do more of that. And so, people who are burned out will say, "I can't. I cannot take up another thing right now. Like, don't even tell me to go take a pottery class because I am drowning. I can barely come up for air." But the irony is you will feel more enlivened, you'll feel more energized and have more joy if you are able to take that little tiny step towards something that excites you or interests you. And we call it a turtle step. So the smallest possible thing you can do, even if it's like pulling up on the internet, the times that the classes are offered, like even if you can take a small little step like that, um, then that'll make a difference. So yeah, I know you don't have time, but the important thing is following your joy because life is so short. I mean, it really is. And if you're here and you're just going through the motions in autopilot, you're, you're wasting your wild and precious life. So the point of life to me is to discover joy, to have more of it, And I know we have to earn a living, but if you will follow your joy, you'll find yourself more in alignment. And then that's going to make you have that um, purpose-filled life. Yeah. And it almost seems like, I I love that. It almost seems like just, let's say, taking that pottery class, it helps you remember a a part of yourself. Like that Mm -hmm. part of yourself begins to sprout. And maybe it doesn't mean that you're overnight going to know exactly what you want to do. You're going to have a plan. You're going to make the change. But it almost seems like you definitely can't have any of those things without that tiny first turtle step. Um, so, yeah, that's it's it's so good. And I remember when I started making changes for myself, I'm in terms of my career, I'm nowhere near what I envisioned it would be a few years ago when I first started. But the thing is when I started and it was, um, you know, part of it was therapy and a business coaching class that I took. These were all the things in the beginning and some life coaching, even though I'm, I ended up doing different work from what I imagined at that time, it just opened up a door And then all Uh of a sudden I got it so curious and so excited about, okay, well then let me find my thing. Let me find, and I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. It's not so much like you have an answer, but you're, the door is open. And then all of a sudden, you know, Pandora's box, but in a a good way, not in a a bad way. Um, I love that. Yeah. That door is a perfect metaphor 
Um, I have clients um, write like at night three things that brought them joy. So the first step, I think, is just noticing what gives you that sense of excitement or joy. Um, For my husband, it's like mountain bikes and not even necessarily riding. He just loves the gear and the the specs and the, I don't even know what he's doing in there, but just mountain bikes, that makes him feel alive. Being in nature um, with my daughter, it's crafts. With my son, it's technology, like tinkering and coming up with codes for the computer. So just get back in touch with what gives you that lit up feeling. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So let's talk more about um, all these people that you've interviewed and you've yeah. interviewed a, a lot of people and from all walks of life. So um, I'm guessing that you see patterns in their stories and um, yeah. and in their lives. So can you tell me, you know, after interviewing so many of these individuals about their big career shifts and entrepreneurship for a lot of them too, what patterns do you notice about their stories and what surprises you most about what you've learned from them? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so it seems like it starts with disrest or a sense of dis-ease. And it can be physical disease. Like sometimes they're hit with a, you know, one of my friends, it was frozen shoulder just out of the blue. And um, the orthopedist were like, what did you do to injure it? And she's like, nothing. And she sort of knew in the back of her head that stress and, you know, she, she felt like it was psychosomatic. So Anyway, a lot of times it's disrest. You just feel uneasy. Um, What was always a good fit no longer feels like a good fit. So that seems to be a common thread. And then a lot of people deny the call. It's kind of like the hero's journey. So at first you say, no, 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 I'm not going to quit my job. I'm not going to leave my spouse. I'm not going to go to Russia and adopt a kid. And then you, you kind of like it gnaws at you a little bit. And so eventually you take that first step and then that sort of opens the door, as you said. Um, So let's see, you asked me what surprised me. I think how brave we are and just how taking that first step can lead to so many other things, but it's just a matter of listening. And, you know, the other thing that surprised me was how often people knew what they should do. And by, by that, I mean, we have the answers inside of us. We just don't trust ourselves. So it's, I call it your inner wise woman. And it's amazing how many people would say like, yeah, I just knew what I should do. It was a matter of listening. I love that. And I love the inner wise woman. Um, that's part of why I love my work as an astrologer too. It's because a lot of times what, what I'm seeing in someone's birth chart, it's like people hear it and they're like, yeah, that's me. And yeah. I kind of, it's not news, but it's that inner wise woman who maybe was quieted or she doesn't come to the surface often, but she is there. And I like having that a part in bringing her voice out. And I'm guessing that you you do too in your work as a life coach, right? Yeah, we try to tap into that. And um, journaling can bring it out, sitting quietly, meditating. Um, I posted a podcast episode today where I talk about a little bit about the inner wise woman, but more about our 
internal manager, like the, the part of us that sort of is like, you better watch out, you should be doing this. And so I've named mine Helga. So Helga is very strict and she does not like it when I listen to my intuition and, you know, start doing stuff like quit my job. And oh, I love it. I love it, Helga. Oh, Helga. Yeah, I, I, it's funny looking at it that way, right? Like this, this, yeah, the inner manager, the inner critic. And I love mm-hmm. that you named her Helga. And so she's, she is a force that is really separating you from the wise woman. And yeah. And that part of us acts out of fear. So she was probably formed in childhood to protect me and to keep me safe and to make sure I followed you know, societal rules so that I would be accepted by my tribe, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. but she still likes to tell me what to do. And there's a time and a place for a Helga, I think. But I think that the trap that so many of us fall into is we listen to Helga like she's the boss. Yeah. Rather than the inner wisdom and that wise woman being the true North Star. Um, Yeah. Now, I know, so you said you worked with in, um, or you got your training with Martha Beck's life coaching course, but her approach seems so simple, or at least when she describes it, it's so brave and so simple. And you said that you were surprised by how brave people can be, almost like anyone can do this. Anyone can be active from that courageous place. So can you just tell us more about what it was like to do that, that program and that training with Martha Beck? Yeah. So I'm still in the program. Oprah's life coach, as they say. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a nine month program, but even like signing up for that was one of those like big leaps for me that I knew I should do it. And I've looked at that website like six times over the last eight years And I finally listened and signed up for the course, but I love it because we, we learn tools. Like one of them that relates to what we're talking about is the body compass. And so Martha's idea with that is like, you can't lie on a lie detector test. Like, I mean, it'll, it'll show if you lie. So the body does not lie. So she teaches you how to sort of walk clients through um, determining on a scale of negative 10 all the way to positive 10, what their body is saying. Like, is this a positive two? Is this a negative eight? Um, And so that's a simple way for people who are very um, logical thinkers. They can be like, okay, that's a positive two. I'm going to do it. Um, So I love her tools. When I first heard of her, it was on my sister-in-law's bookshelf. She had Finding Your Own North Star. And that was that was one of her early books. And I read the entire thing in one afternoon. And I was like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) this is amazing. So that's a good book to start with. Um, Some of her things are really woo-woo, but I kind of like woo-woo. And I'm guessing you do too, Kimberly. I I do. I do do like the (laughs) woo-woo. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that is so cool. Like, so it's very practical, but it's it's spiritual. So I love that. That is so cool. I love Martha. We we do dream analysis. We do... um, 
yeah, all kind of cool stuff. Like if you have a shoulder pain, you talk to the shoulder and like, shoulder, what are you trying to, what message are you trying to give me? You know, so for people who are like, that's so weird, but you'll be surprised what your shoulder has to say. It's so true. I remember, you know, like at the start of my journey, when I started to make shifts in my life, I was having, I was having health problems and it, and it lasted for a while, like my psoriasis with my skin and my scalp and then my psoriatic arthritis that made it so that I could barely move. It went from me being so physically healthy and, and able-bodied. Like I've, I've never been sick or you know, anything serious at all. I don't even have any allergies. I don't even Mm -hmm. have food sensitivities to going from like covered in head to toe with these blotches all over and not being able to move. And I think it, it really was a manifestation of how I was, how unhappy I was on the inside. Like I kept denying that I was unhappy Mm -hmm. and I kept like, like for a long time. And then all of a sudden, this stuff happened to my body. It was like my soul was speaking through my body because I was unwilling to tell the truth to people, to myself. And the body's like, no, time is up. You cannot, you can't do this anymore. I'm so excited to hear you say that because, you know, my work is in dermatology and I have patients who are in your shoes covered with psoriasis. Maybe they have psoriatic arthritis too. And I have started saying like, your body is trying to tell you something, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not your fault that you have this, but, you know, I want you to like really connect. And some of them are like rolling their eyes and they're like, just give me a shot. I just want to, I want you to fix it. But some of them really do take the time to say, you know what, like I'm going through a divorce or, you know, my parents dying or something like that. So if you can sort of look within, a lot of times you'll get answers that you may not have connected with the physical problem. Right, right. Because the timing of it, you know, like, why now? Why the flare mm-hmm. up now? And it was because my life was kind of falling apart. I was so unhappy. Um, and then even now I'm on I'm on a medication now. And it was working really well. But I'll have to speak with my rheumatologist because I am starting to get some of those symptoms mm-hmm. back. And I know that part of it is, you know, sometimes the medication is not a good fit or whatever. But now I do kind of feel like my body is telling me you can't rely on the medication. You actually have to change your diet to something more Mm anti-inflammatory. So it's just like I have a willingness to be in dialogue with my body. Yes, that's my body can can propose can like ask me questions Mm -hmm. and I can try to think of what the answers might be. And I love that that idea of like your shoulders hurting and you're talking to it and asking what what's going on what's going on here because I've done something similar like that um where I was in a lot of emotional distress but then I went to my body to soothe myself so it was almost like I was rubbing I forgot where I heard this from but I was like rubbing my arm like how you would to your child if they were crying yeah. or upset about something, just being like, I know I, it's okay. I'm, you know, we're going to get through this and like kind of soothing myself physically the way I would with my kids in a yeah. really non-judgmental way. Like I'm not going to judge myself harshly for feeling so weak at this time and feeling yeah. so sad. Yeah. I, I just think that connection with the body is so important. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I heard somebody the other day talking about the oh, sweetheart um, response. So it's kind of like what you're saying. You have um, you ask yourself, like, what would kindness do or say in this situation if I were treating myself with like radical kindness? Um, And so this one lady, she she recommends you journal like dear sweetheart or oh, sweetheart, you know, and just Mm -hmm. write yourself the kindest, you know, letter and we we just don't treat ourselves in a kind way. We, you know, force ourselves to go to the gym and work out harder. And, you know, Kimberly, you have to cut out gluten and you have to do this. But if you tap in and listen to what your body's telling you, it may be something totally different. Yeah. I love that idea of talking to yourself, like as if you were a best friend or, mm-hmm. you know, like you're, your child, like reparenting yourself in, in, mm-hmm. in a sense, in the way that you really needed, need to be parented um, in such a loving, compassionate way. And it's just so different from that inner critic and that Helga, is that the name of your? Yeah, your Helga. Name? It's so true. I'll tell my 10 year old, like, don't talk to her name's Ollie. I'll say, don't talk to Ollie that way. Like, I'm not going to let anybody talk to her that way, you know, and kind of talk, talk about her in third person when she's being really hard on herself. Um, and then the other thing I'll do is we like to talk in our fake British accents. So my kind in a self is very, very soft-spoken and she'll say, hope darling, don't be so hard on yourself. And (laughs) it just, y'all probably think I've got multiple split personalities, but really it does help put you in a different mindset when you sort of talk to yourself in that kind way. I love what you're modeling too for, for your kids, because it really does like, like we, we do hear the voices of our parents. There's a lot of that early childhood kind of stuff to look back on in Uh terms of understanding where we get these voices from and realizing that those voices are not the truth of who we are. They're just voices. Yeah, look up um, Richard Schwartz, Dr. Richard Schwartz, Internal Family Systems. That's where you you read about all the different parts that formed in childhood and how different ones were there to protect us. And that's mm-hmm. it's fascinating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think this is such an important um, topic for for the demographic or the population that I serve, people who identify as being really emotionally sensitive Mm -hmm. um, or gentle, because it's so easy to be affected by other voices and to just Mm -hmm. believe them. Because we don't necessarily have a fighter's personality per se, like there is more of a tendency to go with the flow or try not to make many waves. So having said that, our audience is sensitive and gentle, like I said. So what would you say is some advice that people with this kind of personality type uh, can use when navigating their big shifts in their life or in their career? Like what's something specific for this kind of heart and soul? I mean, some of it is going to be sort of faking it, even though you don't feel it on the outside, you may feel timid and shy and not confident at all. 
So some of it is even in body posture. You know, you see the girls here are like 13 and their shoulders are all curled in. And so, you know, I practice doing that. Like even if you don't feel confident, sort of stand in that posture and that sends your body signals like you've got this. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing I'll do is tell people to come up with a board of directors. I think this came from Martha Becker, Elizabeth Gilbert. And you come up with, a, you know, three or four people who would be your biggest cheerleaders or whose advice you really value. And for me, like even though I've never met Oprah, she's on my board of directors. So I've seen enough Oprah shows over the year and years and listened to her podcast that I can sort of imagine what she would say to me. Um or Maya Angelou, or, you know, just people like that, that I, I know that they, they would help empower me if they were present, or it could be, you know, a deceased grandmother, or, but you sort of have to channel um, that strength when you don't feel it yourself, you may have to draw it from other people, or, mm. or if you are having a really empowered day, take that opportunity to write yourself a little note, so that when you are feeling down, or, shy or um, whatever, you can read that note back to yourself. Like you've totally got this. You're amazing. You're a badass. You're, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we invite these voices that can be so critical and so harsh. Mm -hmm. um, and we just like, don't think about them. We just let them speak to us. But you're saying we can actually choose other voices to speak to us, including mm -hmm our own, right? Mm -hmm. Like our own inner wise woman. So can you tell me more about like this board of directors? So, oh, d did you mean like three would be the total or there would be other kinds of voices? More in than that. that be more than that. I mean, in real life, I have my friend Lauren and my friend Amy. They were the first two people I interviewed on my podcast because <laughs> I knew that they were, you know, they had my back. They were my cheerleaders. Um, mm -hmm. So in real life, those are the two people who I know will back me up. They'll cheer me on. Um, my my own therapist was, I was complaining about this uh, friend of my husband's who was not very supportive and he was kind of like not making fun of me, but sort of picking on me about my career path. And she goes, Hope, he is not in your front seat of your auditorium. He's not even in the second row. He's not even in the back seat. You don't even need to let him in your auditorium. And right. so for her, like the metaphor was, you know, like you wouldn't even, you don't even need to worry what these people think because they're not even in your cheering crowd. Um, so I'm really cautious about who I share my dreams with. And, um, you know, I try to, channel like when I'm let's say I've had a really um hard decision to make sometimes I will think about this board of directors and I'll think okay what would Oprah tell me to do what's my inner self telling me to do and you kind of consider all these things is Helga in the board of directors or is she just like is it only <laughs> super super positive yeah, I take her advice into consideration and I always try to thank her mentally because I know she's there to keep me safe and protect me. Mm -hmm. So I try to listen to what she has to say, but she does not get a vote. Ooh, I like that the way you differentiate <laughs> there. So you yeah, she can have a voice, but she doesn't have a vote. Interesting. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like that too, because then it's not as adversarial. It's just like uh -huh. 
because then you're not you're not even judging yourself for having a Helga. I like right. that. Like all feelings are welcome here. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> all right. So a few things before we hop off. Can you share with us one of your favorite quotes? Yes. I, I, I alluded to this earlier, but it's um, these lines from this Mary Oliver Wild Geese poem. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I love it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Hope. Um, can you share with everybody how they can find you, how they can work with you? Yeah. So go to my website. It's coachhopecook.com, C-O-O-K. And I'm on social media at Coach Hook, <laughs> at Coach Hope Cook. <laughs> awesome. Thanks again. Thank you. This is so you, great. Kimberly. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Did you know that when I'm not recording this podcast, I'm a trained counselor turned professional astrologer. I help heart-centered, gentle souls like you get clarity around the hardest questions in life. Whether you want to feel more confident or clear around your career, relationships, or life purpose, learn more or book a reading at KimberlyEclipse.com or find me on Instagram. My handle is at Kimberly.Eclipse. See you there.